across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Okay, so it was with absolute jubilation that uh, South Africans returned home uh, from various parts of the world who had been begging the department, DERCO, to, to bring them back, Department of International Relations, to bring them back home. And on Sunday, that touched down. And in fact, I saw some of them almost really with tears in their eyes saying they're so happy. They were so happy to see South Africans and other fellow South Africans. It took a long time to get here, but they were here now. Clayson Munela, who is a spokesperson of the Department of International Relations joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, and thank you so much for talking to us, uh, Mr. Manyana. Good afternoon, Pamela. So, what, what, where do we stand now? We we had um, on Sunday quite a, a jubilant uh, crowd arrive back here in South Africa. Do we have the current numbers of who's still outstanding to arrive back home? Yes. So, since the announcement of the state of disaster by President Cyril Ramaphosa, which saw South Africa implementing a lockdown from the 26th of March, the Department of International Relations and Cooperation has uh, been facilitating the return of our nationals who were stranded uh, abroad. And so far, we've facilitated uh, the return by air of over 5,000 South Africans. Um, initially, we had been contacted by uh, about 3,700 South Africans who had indicated that uh, they wanted to return home. Now, as the lockdown uh, in most of these countries, because most countries in the world have also introduced mm. their own lockdowns, as that dragged, people started losing their jobs, some ran out of medical supplies, some students were kicked out of uh, uh, residences and so more people made contact with us to say please uh, help us to return home which explains the the number of just over 5,000 uh, and over the past uh, couple of days we've had uh, South Africans returning from countries like Morocco, Mauritania, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, um, Angola, Botswana, Pakistan, Qatar, the U.S. So basically, many, many countries in the world. And uh, as we speak, you would have noticed that uh, as other countries are easing, you know, their restrictions and lockdowns, mm-hmm. some are experiencing a second wave of COVID-19 and therefore going back to more stringent measures, which means for us, we are likely to be uh, contacted by more South Africans requiring uh, to be repatriated back home. So tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, the minister will be uh, addressing a media conference where she will unpack more measures uh, that we'll be embarking upon as a department uh, to look at how we can further assist South Africans who are still stranded abroad. The concerning thing for us uh, is that many of them are starting to, you know, get into situations where they are destitute, running out of money and, and all of that. So we'll have to be creative in how we can assist these uh, nationals of ours. No, that's fine. I, I, I won't. I won't take the wind out of that sail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Clayson. What, what I what I'm interested in finding out is the complexities of these kind of operations. Sure. Are, are we reciprocating the requests ourselves? In other words, are we also allowing others to leave our ports and our shores to go back home? How complex is this arrangement of bringing South Africans in relation to others who are also requesting that we bring their own citizens back home? Yes, no, in fact, that's a very good question. So initially, um, most of the repatriation flights that uh, uh, 
uh, we facilitated out of Europe in particular. Mm. We were piggybacking on countries like um, Germany, um, the UK and others who were evacuating their own nationals who were in South Africa. So as they chartered an FAA plane, for example, that would then take German citizens back to Germany. We would then piggyback on that. Their flight as it returns back to South Africa will then mobilize South Africans who are in cities like Frankfurt and uh, Milan and other places um, in Italy to then go to Germany and come back to South Africa. So we've been doing both, uh, allowing foreign nationals who are in South Africa stranded to be evacuated by their own countries, uh, facilitated, by, uh, facilitated by the embassies here. And we work with those countries to then also return South Africans who are stuck in various capitals in Europe and other regions of the world to then be repatriated back home. It's not an easy Mm. nor simple process. It Mm. requires a delicate process of negotiations because uh, the restrictions imposed by the the lockdowns in many of these countries are meant to cap the spread of COVID-19, which means limit the extent to which people can move around. Mm. So negotiating for a plane to land, getting the necessary permits Mm. and uh, flight clearances is not an easy process. And uh, I mean, People have been frustrated and going on social media and saying it's taking long. Uh, We understand the frustration, but uh, government has been doing all it can uh, to try and make this as fast as possible. Look, I mean, I think think we've all appreciated the minister's uh, frankness in saying that she she herself finds it quite challenging and it's been very difficult to bring many of the the South Africans back and those who could have afforded to do that they should have tried themselves and she's been quite frank about that what what I what I am concerned about are, are reports of the lack of communication so where the embassies themselves our own embassies in those various countries are not doing enough in getting touch with those people or at least keeping them updated with what's happening some some of the reasons we see the desperate calls on social media is because they say they've tried everything and there has been no response. Are you getting better at communicating with these people? Yeah, so we we noticed that right from, I mean, the first or second week uh, that uh, there are gaps in that some embassies are not responding uh, rather quickly enough and uh, keeping people posted and updated in terms of development. So what we then did was to establish a 24-hour command center at headquarters in Pretoria at our department. So we've got people manning the lines round the clock, receiving questions and inquiries from all over the world. So if you're not able to get in touch with an embassy, say you're in the UK, you're able to call Pretoria and get information from the command center in an effort uh, to try and bridge that uh, gap of communicating and uh, keeping people updated. And we've seen that working uh, in that people are able to register their names in Pretoria and we pass it on to our embassies. Remember, in many of these countries, as I said, there are lockdowns. So Mm -hmm. our diplomats were not able to go to the embassy itself to work. They were working from home and we then get into all sorts of challenges of people not getting access to data and all of uh, all sorts of things. Hence, the National Command Center, which we think has been able to assist uh, in disseminating information. To what extent are we engaging other, I'd call them NGOs, other partners that are not necessarily, as you said, embassies, but, you know, your international, uh, Amnesty International, those organizations that have got the footprint on the ground to assist that, our citizens don't, number one, go destitute and hungry because it's, it does seem like some are, are at almost at that point. To what extent are we engaging other partners? 
No, we do work. We work with um, NGOs and uh, international organizations. I mean, in, 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 for example, I can give you an example of Turkey. Yep. We had a group of students yes. there as well as some musicians who had right. gone there yeah. on a 12-month contract to do some work. Mm-hmm. And when COVID-19 hit, obviously they couldn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got in touch with us. Uh, they were in a remote area uh, out of where uh, our embassy is. We reached out to the foreign ministry in that country and they were assisted with all the essentials they needed, food and uh, making sure that uh, where they are staying, they won't be kicked out and that sort. So we work with all sorts of stakeholders and partners. And uh, as I say, I mean, so far, we think that we've been able to um, assist many South Africans and it's a process we are still yeah. uh, going to continue with. Clayson, can you, ju- I don't know if you can answer this question, but for, tho- for those who arrived on Sunday, are they currently in quarantine? Yeah, everybody that uh, arrives in South Africa, there is a mandatory quarantine period yes. of 14 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we work with sister departments like Public Works, which procures hotel rooms yeah. and uh, other places where people are put in quarantine. They get screened and tested before they are allowed to go back home. Uh, the Department of Health would have satisfied itself that uh, they've been tested and uh, are good to go. And the last question is, and as we sit, those who returned none of them has the virus correct no we shouldn't say that we none of them say... none of them is has tested positive you mean with everybody that came back to the country yes no there have been cases of those that oh. got tested and they were found to have uh, uh, contracted them, which is why the quarantine period is mandatory because it allows the Department of Health to screen and test people. And if you're found to be positive, then the Department of Health advises in terms of the way forward and how you can get help and all of that. That's why the, man- uh, the mandatory quarantine period is critical. Oh, I must have been really mistaken. So I know I'm getting late here, but I've got to ask you this, this then because I was under the impression that some countries wouldn't allow people to leave if they were tested positive. No, remember, I mean, this, this, this COVID-19 is, uh, I mean, the scientists and health experts still are, dis- I mean, are still discovering things on a daily basis yes. uh, with this virus. So it's possible for you to get screened before you leave country yes. A yeah. and you don't have any symptoms. You're allowed to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. You land in South Africa after a couple of days. You know, yeah. it turns out that okay. you have this thing. So you, we've had one or two okay. cases like that. I understand. All right. So look quickly for me, uh, the <laughs> the update tomorrow. What time? Nine o'clock in the morning, right. and SABC will cover it, so Thanks people will be able to follow the the, the, the briefing. Appreciate it, Clayson Manila, their spokesperson at the Department of International Relations. It's two thirty. Let's go to Utsila Saku for the latest in headlines.